All right. Everybody good? Three of you? The rest of you are working on it? Okay. <laughs> Some of us got haircuts. All right. Well, I've been, uh, <clears throat> for those of you that are, uh, I've been traveling the world, and we, as you know, most of you know, we went to South Africa and then to Ethiopia, and I tell you what, the what we're seeing around the world, and uh, just got back from Florida and Alabama uh, Monday, and there's just such a hunger that we're seeing from the body of Christ, a hunger for the Word, a hunger uh, in, in worship and in praise, and you're seeing a things coming up in the spirit. And it's it's uh it's exciting. It's exciting. I want to be a part of that. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. You don't have to be a revival chaser, you can be a revival maker. And uh you know you can have it right here. And uh so that's that's part of uh you know your part when you come in is to by faith, pull out what God has put in the messenger so that the messenger will deliver not only what they may have on paper, but what God's put in their spirit. And you can pull that out. And it's, it's one of those things that can change your life forever. And uh, so we're seeing that. And, and uh, especially Ethiopia, the, the anointing was so strong in Ethiopia because the people were so expectant and hungry, and, uh, and I mean, uh, to, to stand and minister was a challenge. So that's what we want to see, uh, and, it, and everybody plays a part in that. And I'm going to continue on attributes of a champion. This will be part three. If you haven't heard uh, the other two parts, it's available on YouTube, and, uh, but it's, we're, we're talking about this year being the year of the maximum or the highest level attainable. And so, uh, as a former athlete, I, uh, you, there's a lot of things that relate to sports. Paul, the Apostle Paul even referenced uh, sports and uh, discipline in his body and, and competing and running in a race. And so, there's a lot of things that we can take from that. So, if you were never a sports person... Don't, don't worry about it. Just accept the analogy and apply it, you know, uh, and, and, uh, because that's where I was. And so it, it becomes real to you as a minister uh, and how you can relate it to God's people so that they can get it and ultimately allow the word to enter your heart and, and produce a hundredfold in your life, which is the maximum or the highest level attainable. And that's what the word will do for us. Hi, Kevin. Good to see you. So, are you ready tonight? We're going to begin in Philippians chapter 3. Paul said in verse 12, Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Paul is saying, and you've heard Dr. Savell talk about it, that we've got to press. We've got to press in these last days. Pressing is not... Uh, receiving pressure, it is reaching out and laying a hold of what Jesus did for us. 
And so he goes on to say, so I count myself, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting things which are behind and reaching forward to the things which are ahead. I've studied this word, reaching forward. It's a picture of an athlete that's reaching out, uh, you know, ahead of them. But the word in the Greek means to, it, it shows a believer that is reaching forward to experience the full impact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so the resurrection of Jesus Christ was to uh, get back for mankind what God originally gave to Adam. And so I was just sitting over here doing praise and worship, and, and the Lord said, what did I give Adam? And I said, well, you gave him uh, dominion and the authority and all that. He said... I gave him the world. Just just said that to me, just sitting over there. Think about it. He blessed him to have dominion and fill the earth. (laughs) He gave him the world. That'll sit on some of you later tonight. Some of you got it. And so Paul is saying, I'm reaching forward to this, to what Jesus did in the cross, his death, and, and defeating Satan in hell. And we talked about that in the last couple of uh, sessions on this. And the full impact of what the resurrection meant to mankind. And if we grab onto that, it's laying hold of this eternal life, laying hold on, of salvation, laying hold of health, laying hold of prosperity. It means reaching out and grabbing it, taking it, receiving it. It's mine. Everything that Jesus did for us, it's mine. Say it's mine. It's mine. So Paul goes on to say, so I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let as many as are mature... Have this mind. The same mind set that the Apostle Paul had in reaching forward to the things which are ahead. Forgetting the things which are behind. Forget the failures for sure. Remember the successes. Remember how Jesus brought you out. Remember those things that will propel you forward. But we're reaching ahead. We're going ahead. We're moving up. We're moving higher. So Paul said it. Those of you that are mature, you need to have the same mindset. That we're going up. We're going higher. We're reaching forward. We're pressing. Then he goes on to say in verse 19. He's talking about uh, those that don't do this. And he says, who set their minds on earthly things. So that's the opposite of those that are mature. Is that they... People that aren't mature, they set their minds, spiritually mature, they set their minds on earthly things. We're to have the same mindset as the Apostle Paul. We set our minds on the things above. And Colossians 3 says, says, set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. And so when he says, I'm, I'm pressing forward, I'm looking ahead to eternal life. You know, there's eternal rewards. There's a crown an imperishable crown that we're after. And I brought in my national championship ring. And those of you that weren't, maybe weren't here, I was part of a high school 
championship team in basketball, state champs, in 1989. And then in 1994, I was part of a national championship in college, and I got a, I got a ring, national championship ring. I wore that in here to show. But that ring will perish. That ring's a crown. It's a prize. But that ring will perish. But we're not after those things. We're after things that won't perish. Eternal things. An imperishable crown. And we're going to get rewards that are eternal rewards. It's amazing how this short life... And you get rewarded for eternity in this short life. If you think about the magnitude of that, it's overwhelming. So he says, verse 20, for our citizenship is in heaven. A citizen is defined as a native or naturalized person who owes allegiance to a government and is entitled protection from it. It is a native or naturalized person who owes allegiance to a government and is entitled to protection from it. We are entitled to certain things of which we are citizens of. We are entitled to them. It's part of our rights. And so when we come into the kingdom of God and God says, you're now in my kingdom, you're now a son, you're now a daughter, you're now a citizen of this kingdom, a different kingdom, not no longer the kingdom of the of the world. But now we're in the of the kingdom of heaven and he calls us sons and daughters and and now we're natives. And so we have to understand that we have rights that belong to us. That the kingdom of which we are citizens operates by. Privileges. Rights. That you are entitled to. As a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. We're entitled to them. People talk about being entitled. Well, that's a good thing in the kingdom of heaven. You can receive everything that Jesus did for you through taking the keys from the devil and bringing it back and saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth to go therefore." So everything that Jesus did when he rose from that grave, sat at the right hand of the Father, and God said, oh God, your throne is forever. He gave him the scepter of righteousness. You're entitled to those things. You're entitled to protection, according to Psalm 91. You're entitled to health. You're entitled to prosperity. You are entitled to these things. Because you are a citizen of the kingdom. You have to understand and know that. I'm a citizen. Say it this. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And I have rights. And I have privileges. I can be healed. I can be whole. According to the, the laws of the kingdom. See, the kingdom of heaven does things differently. And that's what Jesus came to teach us about the kingdom. 
And so when Jesus was on the earth, he said, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is like, and he would speak in parables. It's like a mustard seed. It's the smallest seed, but yet it's the greatest. And so he began to teach people about the kingdom of God. Because why? Because they had only known the kingdom of the world. Which God gave Adam. So now Jesus came back and said, let me tell you about what the kingdom of heaven is like. Because this is how we set this up here on this world. But Adam turned over that authority and that dominion to Satan. So then the curse came into the world. So Jesus came to get back for us what God had intentionally given Adam. So with the kingdom of God, there is a kingdom culture. A culture is, is a, a set of shared values, goals, beliefs, and behaviors that makes up a culture. The kingdom culture, Jesus teaches us on what how it's different from the kingdom of the world. The kingdom of the world says, get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can. Right? But Jesus said, no, no, no. Give, and it'll be given to you. You don't have to get. You need to give. That's the culture of the kingdom. So he began to teach us how to live in the kingdom of heaven on this earth. And in the last days, which we're living in, the, the principles that govern the laws of the kingdom will become so clear to God's people. It was prophesied by Brother Hagin in 1980 that some people will get this and they'll virtually spiritually mature overnight because, because of, the, of the acceleration of knowledge of the kingdom of God so that you will begin to operate in the kingdom principles supernaturally because you are more than just a common man or woman. You are supernatural. Because Jesus has set up his kingdom on the inside of you. He said, my kingdom is within you. The whole kingdom. Think about it. The whole kingdom. He set up inside of us. So there's a culture of the kingdom. Now as part of the you know, teams growing up. And, and so when I went to college to play basketball, I, uh, in my sophomore year, we had a very diverse group of uh, teammates. And, uh, well, anyway, long story short is three of our, my teammates got kicked off the team mid-semester, mid-year, mid-year. So we're halfway through the year. We have we've we've played eight or nine games, uh, and 
These guys get kicked off the team for violating team rules. So we met as a, as a program, and I remember this meeting. I remember where we were sitting in the stands, and the coach came up to us and said, guys, he gave us the news. Um, two of those guys were starters. One of the guys was like, um, you know, like an All-American. He was a great player, great player. He said, uh, <clears throat> the coach says, we can forego the rest of the season if that's what you want. But we lost these guys. As you know, the one guy was the best player on the team. The other guy was a starter. The other guy contributed. You know, what do you guys want to do? Because our, our goals as a program to start the year was to win a national championship. Was to first make it to the national tournament, but then to go on to win the national championship. So we had smaller goals, but, then, but the ultimate goal was to get to the national championship. You always have to have a goal in mind. I mean, the Apostle Paul just talked about it. He said, I am... Uh, I press toward the goal, the prize of the upper call. So he's looking ahead. He's looking, he's looking past the, the obstacles, and he's looking at the big picture, looking ahead. So the coach says, what do you guys want to do? And so we begin to talk as a team. Can we even win without these guys? These were, these were questions. Can we win? Well, that's some of the things that we can't control. But what we can control is, can we work harder? Yes. Can we come together as a team and have each other's backs? Yes. And so through this process of this conversation, we all made a decision. That day, we made a decision that no matter what, what the uh, bad news that came our way was, our goal was still the same. So we, uh, you know, got up at 6 a.m. now, and I was, I was going to shoot hundreds of shots, hundreds, hundreds, practice, do, 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 making everything. <laughs> I got so bored of making it that I just want to swish it, you know. And so anyway, long story short is, uh, through that process, number one, we made a decision. That this, this was our team. And we had to come together. Because if we don't come together and have each other's backs and, and, and each of us do our part, then we might as well throw, this, throw the towel in. And so we established a higher level of, of uh, expectancy through the guys that were there. And then we went on to win the national championship that year without, without the All-American best player. Our belief that we could win increased. Listen to what I'm saying here. Our belief that we could win Increased as we grew closer together. There was a there was a bond. There was a love. 
The culture of the kingdom of God is love. Because God is love. We operate in faith. We operate in joy and peace. And these are fruits of the Spirit. But God is love. So that's the culture of the kingdom. And we're going to find out here tonight that the church has to have a love not only for God, but a love for one another. And it's that love for one another that draws us closer together. And it's that unity that will take us higher. Psalm chapter 133, verse 1 says, How good and pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like a precious oil upon the head running down the beard, running down the edge of his garments. It is the dew of Hermon. How, verse 1, how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head. What's oil represent? The anointing. So an increase of anointing will come as the brethren dwell together in unity. That was the biggest thing as a team that will destroy any business, any organization, any sports team is when there's strife that enters into the team. And it only takes one. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. And so it's one person that can get, gather a group of people that can cause disunity among the brethren. You know, sheep, sheep just want to go to the stream... And, and, and uh, you know, drink from the, from the clear waters of the, of the spring. You know, think about the mountain spring that comes, and it's so clear, crystal. And then the goats come trampling through and muddy the waters. But this was first a decision that our guys make. This, this is my team. Look around. Look around this place today. Now, not everybody's here. But this is, this is my team. This is my team. This, this is who I'm in the trenches with. This is who I'm expecting to pray for me as I pray for them. This is whose backs I've got. This is who, if they're under attack... Then, then I'm in the battle with them. This is who, if an enemy comes against them, they're my enemy too. Because this is my team. But you have to make a decision that this is your team. Because once you make that decision that this is your team, then you won't be easily uh, swayed to quit. And when you quit, it leaves a hole. You might think you're insignificant, but there's no insignificant member of the team. You know what blessed me? Uh, 
last time this, this couple right here is new. And uh, actually, the last time I spoke is when I, is when I noticed them. And um, well, I went over and introduced myself. And the, they said, they said we, were, we were taking down the chairs for something for the next day. Uh, and they just started going to work, taking down chairs. That impressed me so much. To me, that's somebody that says, hey, I'm a part of this, and I'm going to contribute to the team. I like that. It impressed me. That's a decision that everybody's got to make, firstly. And then secondly, we do everything that we can to keep out strife off the team. And how we do that is we would... As, as basketball teammates, we would police ourselves. We would push ourselves. Say, hey, I know that you've got more in you than, than what you're given today. We pushed ourselves. Why? Because we're headed toward the goal. We got our eyes on the goal. Our eyes were not on ourselves. And I've played on teams where I had teammates whose eyes were on themselves. And they were all about getting their name in the paper. Well, when that happens, guess what? It hurts the team, which ultimately hurts the goal. We're pressing toward the goal uh, individually, but also corporately. And that's what I'm talking about tonight. It's corporate. It's corporately pressing toward the goal. So how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell in unity. And it's funny how uh, Satan will attack you on Sunday morning on the way to church. And all of a sudden, wife is fighting with husband, husband's fighting with wife, kids are screaming in the back seat of the car, shut up, kids! <laughs> They're going back and forth shouting at each other, and then you walk into church. I hope the worship team's got something good. Husband's mad at wife. Wife's mad at husband. They, they took, took the kids off to the kids. You deal with my kids out in the children's church. Hope, hope you can do something with them because we couldn't do anything with them at home. But I believe in miracles that you're anointed. So, so the kids pastor and the youth pastor does all they can to help their kids. But then when they get back home, they're back in that same environment. No, see, I'm, bring, I'm bringing my supply. I'm bringing my giftings into this place so I can give to God in unity with the brethren. Because we're all working toward the same goal. Well, I want to see, see the anointing so strong in this place that people can't stand up. Like I saw in Ethiopia. That's not all on the minister. The minister is just part of the team. They're the, they're the ones that deliver the message from God. Now, none of our ministers goes on to sermons.com to get their sermons. Is that, a, is that a place? Is that real? Well, go on there. Maybe you'll find tonight's message. I don't know. <laughs> that means somebody copied it. But uh, 
my point is, is that they, they play a part too. To stand behind this, this desk and deliver the, the, the word that God gave them because they prayed about it. There's time spent. There's time in prayer spent. Time in the Holy Spirit spent. For what? For, to equip God's people to do work outside of these walls. The work of the ministry. All right. So Jesus is teaching about the kingdom culture. Isaiah 55 says that God's thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways. So Jesus teaches in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. Amplified says God's way of doing and being right. So God's got a different way. He thinks differently. And he's implemented his thoughts into the kingdom culture through the word of God. So no longer do we have to like go back and forth about what you think or what you feel. Well, I feel like you won't have to do that anymore because we already have the manual for how the kingdom operates. So let's go to the manual. If there's any question, we'll go to the manual of how the kingdom culture works. So now we have a sure foundation by which we can operate by. And so, don't listen to those people that say the manual is not for today. Oh, God's eternal. His word's eternal. It's more important today that we're living by this than any other day. And it prophesies how people will be today. So we shouldn't even be surprised by it. Because it says it right in the word. 2 Timothy 3, Romans chapter 1, 2 Timothy 4, or 1 Timothy 4. I'm not going to get into that. So, uh, but it tells us about all that. So we can feel sure and stable on God's word that we're all part of the kingdom culture living by. That's part of our culture. It's just like every team I played on, there was, there was core values. Every, every business has some kind of core values. Well, our, the way we do things here, our culture, what we want here. And you know, the CEO, the president, or whoever, the pastor, they all feel good about their idea of what the culture of that business or church or whatever, this is how we want to operate. But then when you're part of the church, this makes things very black and white. Thank you for your enthusiasm. There are some methods that will vary from church to church. But the principles of the kingdom will stay the same. Amen. So, Ephesians chapter 1, that's my introduction. <laughs> In the next 12 minutes, <laughs> I'm going to tell you about the rest. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. And he put all things, so it's talking about uh, verse 21, verse 20, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head of all things 
to the church. Underline that, highlight it. He gave him to be head over all things to the church. Verse 23, which is his body. The church is Christ's body. Christ's body is the church. Say that with me. The church is Christ's body. Christ's body is the church. So when we're talking about the body, we're talking about the church. We're talking about the church. We're talking about the body. That he's the head of. Who's the head of the church? Christ. Jesus. And it says he, the head of the church, gave gifts to the church, which is his body. The pastor, the prophet, the teacher, the apostle, the pastor, and the evangelist. Don't forget that one. (laughs) Thank God for evangelists. Different gifts. Diversity. We're not all the same. Each member has different gifts. Each member of the body. Different gifts. Diversity. So it goes on to say, which is his body? What's his body? The church. What's the church? His body. The fullness. What is the fullness? The body, which is the what? The church. The fullness of him who fills all in all. The fullness of him who fills all in all. What does that mean? I looked this up. All in all. All means? Yeah. Very good, class. See, spiritual things are coming to you right now. Another definition of all in all means that signifies the highest degree or the maximum. Now, who fills all in all? Jesus, who is the head of the? Which is his? Okay. He fills all in all. Now listen to this in the message translation. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20. All this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from death, set him on a throne in deep heaven, in charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments. No name and no power exempt from his rule. That sounds to me like And not just for the time being, but forever. He's in charge of it all, has the final word on everything. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts by which he fills everything with his presence. 
Now think about this for a second. He fills all in all. How does he fill everything with his presence? Through the, which is his? Go to Genesis chapter 1. Pastor, they're doing pretty good tonight. They're, they're pulling. But I'm preaching better than they're saying amen. Okay. I've still got faith for this tonight. Genesis chapter 1. What are you smiling at, G? <laughs> you too. I'm watching you back there. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. And what? Fill the earth. Back to Ephesians chapter. Did you keep your finger there? I should have told you to keep your finger. Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 23, which is his body, the fullness of him who what? Fills all in all. Or the message says everything with his presence. What did God originally intend for man to do? To fill the earth. Fill the earth with what? The presence of God. So, Jesus came to get this back for us so that we would fill the earth with the presence of God. Amen. Dominion, subdue, have authority, and fill the earth with the presence of God. God's original intent for mankind restored to you and I. Through what? Through the church, which is His and it's made up of what? Oh, we haven't got there yet, have we? You see, I got you on that question. Let's look at Romans chapter 12. Let's, let's look at what the church, which is his body, is made up of. Verse 4, Romans chapter 12, verse 4. For we have many members in one body. What's the body? The church. Okay? So we have many members in church. But all the members do not have the same function. Can you imagine if everybody in here was the same? It would be boring. Boring. So we, being many... Who's we talking about? The members. Now we're talking about the, the church members. Are one body in Christ. So how can we be many members in one body? Because we're all part of the kingdom of heaven. We're citizens of the same kingdom, which unites us together as a body and as a church. So we come together individually, but corporately we're, we're the body or the church. So we being members are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Okay. 
Let's look at that in the message translation. In this way, we are like various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. So you don't find your, your purpose, your call. So you come in and you're part of a body because there's not, it's not set up so that there's a bunch of individuals outside of how Jesus set it up. He set up the head of the church, which is his. So each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as part of his body. But as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? Now, you don't think a toe matters? Let me tell you. We were in Russia one time, and Nikki's dad had a word of knowledge about somebody's big toe being healed. Well, we all kind of laughed about that. You know, how, how God cares about someone's big toe. We kind of chuckled about it. Man comes up afterwards. He said, uh, that was me, and God healed my toe. And I, I was walking like this because my big toe hurts so bad. But look how I'm walking now. So one little part of the body that was made whole now causes the body to walk faster, to cause the body to accelerate, and cause the body to be stronger. So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these uh, excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we're made to be. Without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other. So that means that you are uniquely designed by God and gifted by God, and that's okay. Because it's special for the body, which is the the church, and so it's needed in the body. So when you bring your giftings and your, uh, your talents and, and just bring yourself to church, then everyone benefits from it. But if you're trying to be somebody else, then you're going to cause the body to be weaker because the body is strong because you have a part to play. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we'll begin to close here. It talks about the body. Do you know who came up with the team concept? I went and uh, spoke at a high school football, you know, kind of motivational for a game. I said, do you know who, who came up with the team concept? And they, they thought, well, Naismith, because he's the one that invented basketball, Naismith. And another guy said something else, and I said, no, it was God. God came up with the team concept because he made the body. And the body is 
1 Corinthians 12, verse 14, is not one member but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? No, because it's connected. Your foot is connected. If you sawed off your foot, your body would feel it. Am I right or right? Notice I didn't give you another choice. (laughs) Thank you, Aaliyah, for laughing at my jokes. Verse uh, 16. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? No. Can you imagine if your ear was on the front of your face? That would be very awkward. But at least people wouldn't have, you wouldn't have to turn sideways. I mean, you could just go, if somebody was trying to talk to you. So I guess there would be benefits of it, but it's kind of gross to think about. Isn't it? It's silly for an ear to want to be an eye. Both have unique functions that are specific and helpful and needful to the body. So, (laughs) I'm still thinking about the ear being the eye. If the whole body were an eye, can you imagine if the whole body were an eye? If I was standing here and I was just a big eyeball. Blinking. Big old eyeball. Well, I couldn't hear anything you say, but I could see you. Hey, I can see you coming from a mile away. Big old eyeball. It's silly to think about. If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? Uh, Imagine if your nose was on the side of your head. Boy, doesn't that cooking smell good? It's dysfunctional. But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. Watch this. God sets you here. It pleases him. Tony, I ain't heard any amens from you tonight. Have you said amen tonight? Okay. All right. If they were all one member, where would the body be? The Passion Translation says it like this. A diversity is required. For if the body consisted of one single part, there wouldn't be a body at all. A diversity is required. For if the body consisted of one single part, there wouldn't be a body. Diversity is required. Doesn't matter what race you come from, what background you come from, rich, poor. None of that matters because you're a citizen of heaven now. There's a kingdom culture now that we operate by. And so we come together in unity. 
We flow together. And we, listen, it's not the minister's job. The minister, okay. The minister is going to do their part to, be, to bring the anointing and to be anointed and to deliver God's message. But when the people come that make up the body, which is his church, you're talking about going to another level. The word goes to another level. The receiving goes to another level. Some 30, some 60, some maximum. Where does that happen? Church. Jesus set it up for a reason. It was his idea. All right, I got to close. Maestro, come gently play on the keys as I close. (laughs) Second Corinthians chapter 10, last scripture. I was, as you turn into 2 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verse 3, I was, <clears throat> I was watching a football game. And uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really watch a lot of sports, but I happen to be watching. And well, I saw, they were right on the goal line. And uh, they showed the replay. The, the team scored. So the running back ran it in. Touchdown. Yay. But then they showed the replay. And the replay was that the lineman came off the line. Okay. He hit this guy. Knocked him out of the way. He hit the guy in front of him. Knocked him out of the way. And then he looked back. And there the runner came through and scored. What? Then, then you know what I saw the lineman do on the replay? He went like this. Yes. Yes. Why? Because he did his part. That was his part for the team. Boom, boom. If he doesn't hit both those guys, the running back can't do his job because why? Because he's blocked and the team doesn't score. You have a part. (laughs) When I play basketball, they said, when you catch it, shoot it. Don't ever dribble. Because <laughs> I was a little slower. I dribbled, they would take it from me. Your part is catch, shoot. We have a part. We have a, we have a role. There's no one in here. And those of you that may be watching online... And you miss being here tonight. There is no one of us that is insignificant to the body. So that lie from Satan is just not going to cut it here. That's a lie. Don't just sit back and say, well, yeah, I'm going to see if that person talks to me. No, you go talk to them. Hey, we're, we, we love each other. That's part of our culture. We're in this together. We're all, we're all in this together. We want to fight with you. Pray for one another. Love one another. Encourage one another. 
And you know what? Sometimes you got to be like, hey, you know, you're better than this. Think about the team. Stop being so selfish. Think about the team. Were you trying to get your name in the paper? God knows you're going through stuff. Sometimes he may supernaturally tell someone that you're going through that, but it's better if you call on the elders of the church and let them know. I just had a, a word that like someone that's close to us, mother died. We didn't even know. We couldn't even pray. They're gone now. You know, I'd have liked to have been in that fight at least. We're in this together. Are you getting this? Last, last, uh, this is the message translation, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. The world is unprincipled. It's doggy dog out there. The world doesn't fight fair. But we don't live or fight battles that way. Never have, never will. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation but therefore demolishing that entire massively corrupt culture. That's what Jesus came to do. It's, the Bible says that Jesus was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. To do what? Get the world back. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies. How do we know that we're right? Because we have an eternal word of God. This isn't like a theory. It's not a philosophy. This is the truth that everything's subject to. That that the whole world was created through the word of God. Creative power, creative force has the ability to change circumstances in a moment. Tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God. Fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. So what are we doing? We're filling the earth. We're filling the earth with the presence of God. 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 I fill the earth at Walmart. I fill the earth at, the, at my business. I fill the earth in my car. I fill the earth in my house with the presence of God. With the presence of God. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building the lives of obedience into maturity. To do what? Fill the earth. Just like God designed man originally. The presence of God is in you. Would you stand tonight? The presence of God is in you. Now, allow the presence of God to right now allow. Just lift your hands, close your eyes. Allow the presence of God to come on you right now. The peace of God, the love of God. 
We are standing holy ground and I know that there are angels all around
on you tonight don't don't walk out of here you need a hand laid on you tonight your brothers and sisters are fighting for you right now it's help for you it's just help it's just help Okay, church, pray. Pray like it's like it's your son or your daughter or your wife or your husband. Let's believe with these right now. Lord, every yoke. Lord, every yoke destroyed, every burden removed by the anointing of God right now. In Jesus' name, every yoke destroyed. Every yoke destroyed. Every burden removed by your anointing right now. In Jesus' name. Every yoke removed, destroyed and every burden removed in Jesus' name. Every yoke destroyed and every burden removed in Jesus' name. Every yoke destroyed, every burden removed in Jesus' name. Every yoke destroyed, every burden removed in Jesus' name. Lord. Fill her. Fill her again. Again and again and again. Fill her again and again. Hallelujah. And again and again and again. Hallelujah. Every yoke destroyed and every burden removed in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Every yoke destroyed, every burden removed in Jesus' name.
this anointing is a it's a propeller. It's like it's like the it's like a rocket ship that's that's lifting you off. Every yoke destroyed, every burden removed in Jesus' name. Every yoke destroyed, every burden removed in Jesus' name. Fill now in Jesus' name. Fill now, fill now, fill now, fill now, fill now, fill now, fill now. Every yoke destroyed, every burden removed in Jesus' name. Higher and higher, higher and higher, higher and higher, higher and higher. Protect this. Protect the anointing. Protect the presence of God. Protect the peace. And take it home. Have a home of peace. Amen. And come next time with this same expectation. And we're going higher and higher. Higher and higher and higher. I said we're going higher and higher and higher. Amen. Hey, it's not just one or two of us going. We're all going. Because we're His body. We're the church. We're all going. Hallelujah. Give the Lord praise tonight.